to Don't Die Before You're Dead. I'm Mary McCartney, your host, and this is the place where we talk about all things related to living the life you were meant to live. How are you doing with that? Are you putting things on the back burner or are you actually living the life that you thought you would live in reality? Okay, that's a great question. Today's guest is going to help us sort through some of that because it's so easy for us to, you know, just wait. And waiting may not be the game you want to play, especially after listening to my guest today. So welcome to Scott Aaron. He hails all the way from New Jersey. He is an author, has a 25-year experience in personal training and coaching, and he has learned what it means to be resilient, to muster up the courage to overcome those challenges. So today, I bring in someone who has lived through some experiences that you might be facing and have some tips on what's the next step. So welcome, Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to jump in here today. Well, grateful to be here and uh, just looking forward to, to sharing some, some things with your audience to, to help them move them forward. Excellent. So happy to. You've, uh, you've obviously have personally lived through some things. And in that area, you've become an expert on some steps that you needed to take in order to face what was uh, coming down in, in your life at quite a young age, I understand. Yes. So I was in uh, the health and wellness industry for nearly 20 years, retired from that um, back in July of, of 2016. So just about almost four and a half years ago. And the, the fitness industry was something that I was kind of thrown into. It wasn't, wasn't my passion. It wasn't my calling. But sometimes you end up finding your calling through someone else's vision, uh, passion, and goals. So taking a detour. Exactly. My my father was and still is the fitness buff um, of the family. I mean, I I still uh, give nutritional counseling when 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 needed, and I work out you know seven days a week. But that's that's not my business anymore. Uh, he still personal trains and competes in bench press contests around the world. That's that's kind of his uh, his zone of genius. And my father actually opened our first gym in uh, 1997, 1998, when I was a, a freshman in college. And uh, it wasn't really a shock to me. My father had been working out my entire life. But what did shock me is what kind of preceded that after uh, I came back after my freshman year, about to enter my sophomore year, was my, my father had made mention that the company that he was previously working with uh, before he opened this first gym, was under investigation uh, by the U.S. federal government. And they were investigating a insurance fraud case that totaled about $9.5 million. Oh my and uh, my father was caught in the middle of that. The owner of that company was uh, a, what, what people call a scam artist. And my yeah. father maybe intuitively knew that what they were doing was... Um, not kosher, so to speak, but when you're kind of in the weeds, you kind of just have to go with it. But my dad ended up paying the price and he did get sentenced to 24 to 36 months in federal prison. Oh. And this was kind of like my, uh, my entrance um, and my, uh, the way that I was introduced to not just owning a business, but entrepreneurship. And my father turned the keys over to me. I was almost 19 years old at this point, about 18 and a half, almost 19. Wow. That's so big. I had no, 
yeah, I, I had no time to kind of figure it out. I, I, I had to learn as I, I went through it. And there were a lot of bumps and bruises in those 18 years. And, you know, there was, I, I grew the gym by 4X in the time that my father was gone. When he came back, we opened up a second location. Uh, a year after we opened the second location, we sold them both for a million dollars. So at 24, I became a millionaire. Uh, a year later, we opened up our third and final gym. But I had to personally finance the entire thing because my parents had no credit left from mm-hmm. my father's, you know, uh, previous situation. Sounds but- like you. Sounds like you're like you said you're in the weeds yourself, and basically you were. It's uh, you know trial by fire. It was like sink or swim, and all those terrible cliches we think about that I told you I wasn't going to say. But you were very throw very much thrown into uh, right into the mix right from the get go. So it's learn as you go. Yeah, it's not just, you know, owning a business. When you have a family business, it's a whole other uh, level. It's it's very, it's deep. Um, it's personal. And uh, there's a lot more uh, emotion uh, involved because there becomes a, a thin line between family and business. And, and we never had that because your family becomes your business and your bi- business yes. becomes your family. And, it must be uh, hard to separate them. I remember countless conversations that you know we we couldn't even go um, a dinner or a coffee without having to talk about the gym, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it began to wear on me. And, and granted, I fell in love with with everything about it. I I got my certification in sports nutrition and personal training and group fitness, and I did corporate wellness speaking, but. You know, it, it was again my father's dream, and I fell in love with it. But what I fell in love with was people. But there again, you you don't know what you don't know. And uh, five years into the the third and final gym, I was about one point five million dollars in liability debt due to all of the things that I had to do financially to get that mm-hmm. gym up and going. Um, on a personal level, I I was married and divorced twice between two thousand uh, and nine. Um, and 2014, you know, the second, but both, I don't consider either of those uh, relationships failures. I don't consider any relationship a failure because you are able to take things from that and there's lessons learned and you become yeah. better after. Because um, of the learning opportunities that we get, uh, no man is an island. We end up definitely taking away something better than what we started with, we hope anyway. Absolutely. And, you know, the second marriage left me with the greatest gift, which is now my almost eight-year-old little boy, Taylor. He started second oh. grade yesterday. <laughs> Lovely. But it also taught me that, you know, their love does exist. And I, I, I married the love of my life uh, almost a month and a half ago. And, and it, I, I, I kind of set aside the quote-unquote baggage that I thought I had. And I realized that I was not the only one that's been married a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not the only one that that has a child, and it it just I I started to end that story. But I think the biggest turning point for me was in 2016 when I, I had a, a very successful online wellness business. Um, I had a uh, the beginning of a very successful coaching practice, which I still have right now and and growing. Mm-hmm. But I had this gym that was losing about $3,000 a month. The building itself was falling apart. My landlords ran out of money. So 
uh, when it rained outside, it was raining inside as well. And it just wasn't conducive for a successful business environment. Mm-hmm. So I, I called an emergency meeting with my, my business attorney. And I said, listen, I, I, I need to figure something out. I, I need a plan of action. My father and I had broke partnership um, about a year before this because I, I needed to have full control. If my uh-huh. name was on the papers, <laughs> I needed to have full control. He, he didn't argue with me. He said, you're right. You, you got to go your own, go your own way. I'm going to go my own way. Uh, we didn't, we didn't speak for about a year, but you know, th- that relationship was mended. Was it not like, was it not feasible perhaps for him to take the business and you do something different or because of the credit situation, the finances, then it fell on you to assume the ownership and to take it on yourself? Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, I had to take full control of my own destiny because I was liable for everything. The the document that kind of, there were two things that happened. Number one, I went to sell a property that I owned in downtown Philadelphia to, you know, um, liquidate some assets and make some reinvestments. And instead of me uh, getting the close to $35,000 worth of equity that I was pulling out of the house, uh, I got $837. Ooh, and the reason for that, that was, yeah. Well, the reason for that was uh, I had signed a document six years prior, which I didn't know what it was, but it was using my house as collateral for the gym's equipment. So mm-hmm. when when I sold the house, basically the bank took what was left owed on the equipment lease, and then they gave me whatever the balance was, which was close to nine hundred dollars. And at that point, you know, my ears were perked. I, I was kind of looking around at this point. And then um, towards the end of 2015, I found a document that really kind of uh, shook me. And it was the, the lease of the gym. I had just signed my uh, third five-year extension. So we were basically, I extended it um, you know, year 10 to year 15. I was just entering into year 11. And uh, on the last page, it said guarantor, and it had my signature above it. And for those that don't know what that means, when you are the personal guarantor of a business lease, uh, you are financially responsible personally uh, personally for every dollar that's owed on that lease, whether the business survives or not. Right. And at that point, that was another $450,000 worth of liability debt that was being attached to my name. Well, Scott, and- you... you um- if I understand correctly, you have actually turned towards working with a lot of entrepreneurs. And it sounds to me as though you didn't want other people to end up learning things the way you had learned. So entrepreneurs are some people that you have uh, grown to love and to, to help in your coaching business as well as others. Am I right? Yeah. And, you know, owning a business is not what it's cracked up to be. You know, when, when I... My payroll, um, <laughs> my 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 monthly expenses, my overhead uh, with my equipment lease, everything was thirteen thousand dollars a month before I even made money. That's a lot. That's a lot to overcome. And it's you know a lot of people don't talk about that. You see people that own a business, but the business really owns them. I basically bought my job. That's that's what I did, and that's <laughs> yeah. why I had to go all in with the personal training because that was a way for me to create income because the gym wasn't creating income for me. But Mm -hmm. now, not only did I buy my job, I was trading time for dollars, personal training people all day long. So I literally had no life. But So I was sitting in my lawyer's office and and he said, listen, 
you know, you have these two profitable businesses. I had an online wellness business and I had my coaching practice that I just launched. And he said, you know, and that the profits that you're making from these businesses are then being funneled back into your one business that's losing money every month. Mm -hmm. He goes, Mm -hmm. it's just not working. And I said, well, what are my options? Mm -hmm. He said, option A is you continue down the path that you're going and you keep funneling the profits that you're making from your two businesses into the one that's losing. Or B, you file for personal bankruptcy. And when I heard bankruptcy, I didn't hear your life is over. I heard your life is about to begin. Because this was my opportunity after 18 years. Mm-hmm. From the time I was 18 to 36, I was able to start living life on my own terms and create it myself. So, Scott, do you think? Do you think that in the terms that you've just used, do you think a lot of people look at bankruptcy as the ultimate failure and their lives are grinding to a halt and they won't be able to recover? Is that the general consensus? You have spoken of bankruptcy in a more positive way than I think most people would hear. Well, I read an article once that it, it said, uh, you haven't achieved success until you file for bankruptcy at least once. Oh, really? Well, it sounds like good counsel at, the, at where you're at. Your lawyer made good sense. So a lot of, you know, a lot of people end up filing for bankruptcy and, you know, mine ended up being personal bankruptcy. It wasn't chapter 11 or chapter 12, which is um, when people kind of reform the organization or mm-hmm. it's business bankruptcy. This was personal because I was personally attached to the company. And, you know, it hasn't stopped me. You know, I've, I've bought two cars since we bought our dream home. Um, It really hasn't stopped us from doing things that we wanted to do. Was my credit affected? Yes, slightly. I mean, it's still around 700, which is still above average. Um, it's going we, to continue. Uh, we to- have different. We have different sort of measuring tools here in Canada, but I certainly yeah. understand where you're coming from. It, uh, it, it does stop some things for a time, but you recognized, well, you saw the future beyond that obstacle. So well, you took what was coming out of that, but you saw beyond. I, I live in the solution and not the problem. And uh, I, 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 fi- I find that a lot of pr- people live in the problem and not the solution. There's a, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a solution for everything. So July 1st, I I filed for personal bankruptcy of 2016, closed the gym 30 days later. And August 1st is is truly when I started living my own life. You know, my, I was living life up until the point where I had to take over this gym, but basically my life was predetermined and it was kind of set for me from, you know, 1998, 1999 until 2016. Mm -hmm. And and I, I, I don't have any negative feelings towards any of that. It was honestly some of the greatest lessons, some of the greatest things that I've taken away from all of that happened during those, those, you know, 16 to 18 years, because it allowed me to do what I'm doing right now. So mm-hmm. I'm not an overnight success. You know, people are seeing the success that I'm having right now, but they don't know the years and years and years right. of, of ups and downs and, and failures and successes and bumps and bruises and, and scrapes and cuts that I had to take along the way to get to where I am now. Because, you know, for the last 23 years, I've been building up my armor to yes. understand if there's an arrow that's going to be fired at me, I'm going to know exactly how to overcome it. 
Which makes you a prime candidate for the coaching business because you know you've been in the trenches. There are so many people who want to get into the coaching business these days, but they haven't they haven't filled their quiver with arrows, if you will, to kind of fight off the, the warriors that are coming at them. You have gone through that. You have some really solid advice. You've written some books. Tell us about the books, because I, I would think they've come out of your experience. Yeah, so the, the first book I ever wrote uh, was back in 2017. It's called Good Guys Always Win. And uh, I've, I've, I've self-published four books. My, okay. my fourth one actually just came out yesterday. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you. And it hit number one new release in three different categories on Amazon, which Fantastic. I was very, very what, excited about. What's that one about. called? That's called the Marketing Workbook for LinkedIn. So oh, okay. um, it, it's not industry specific. It's, um, it's a workbook to teach any professional, uh, any business owner, any entrepreneur, how to leverage LinkedIn the right way. And it's a, it's a done for you workbook. So basically you, you buy the book, grab a pen or pencil, and you start going through the exercises that I outlined and you will completely understand how to leverage LinkedIn in a very genuine and authentic way. Excellent. Excellent. Which is obviously what you've been using to, for your success and for your, your wellness business. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it started with the wellness business. And then when I left the wellness industry and started doing coaching and consulting with uh, entrepreneurs and financial advisors and uh, insurance brokers and business coaches, uh, I basically took the skills that I learned in using LinkedIn, growing my online wellness business. And they say the one, the way that you do one thing is the way that you do everything. And I just applied it to the the new business that I launched. Right. Um, so the, the first book was more of a, a personal journey. I was bullied and picked on as a kid a lot. And uh, the big transformation that I went through was between um, 2013 and 2017. That's when I started doing a lot of personal development, um, you know, guided meditation, which I still do to this day with my wife. And I, I just basically started doing a brain dump and um, out came a, a 77 page book of just, you know, what I had done in those four short years to really change my life and, and you know, really uh, make sure that I was on the path to creating the life that I wanted to. Um, the next three books were all business related books. Um, okay. My second book was called The LinkedIn Book for Network Marketing. So it was an industry specific book. Uh, I did network marketing for the better part of four and a half years, uh, created a, a, a wonderful team, a lot of monetary success, and a lot of that was done through LinkedIn. And so I basically took what I learned and uh, I wanted a way uh, to impact the masses. So uh, I wrote a book and this was back in 2019. Um, so just about a little over a year ago, February of 2019, and it hit number one bestseller. And then uh, I wrote a second book or a third book. Uh, which actually came out in March of this year called the Network Marketing Academy. Uh, not industry-specific, um, network marketing-related, but it goes over mindset, organizational skills, generating leads, and understanding social media from a business mm -hmm. perspective. That also hit number one bestseller. And then I just released my fourth book um, <laughs> yesterday. So um, I've released two new books in the last six months during the quarantine, and um, all have been number one new releases and, and uh, soon to be a third bestseller. So um, just really excited about, you know, the content that I now have out there. Well, Scott, it sounds to me as though, um, you know, like, I mean, you really are a picture of resiliency 
And although, you know, the personal wellness and training and now, you know, with the, with the business books, uh, you've overcome those challenges. You've reached out to people who need to learn or want to learn through your experience. I mean, what better way to reach out to people and help them avoid the pitfalls that you have been through? Um, it's great that you're willing to share that. Now, going back a little bit in your conversation, you had mentioned that you were able to put some of that, like some or all of that baggage aside. A lot of us carry baggage and uh, it's not as easy to unpack and get rid of and, you know, keep what you need and throw the rest away. Do you have some tips that you give your clients on, on really addressing some of those things? I'm a very visual person. So I always ask my clients, is it easier to run through an airport carrying all the luggage and baggage of your past? Or is it easier to just kind of let that stuff go that doesn't serve you so you can sprint to the terminal? Mm-hmm. And every single one of them said, well, it's easier to just leave the bags where they are. Yeah, good and visual. So for me, I, I read a, ber- a very impactful book when I started going on my personal development journey about seven years ago called The Power of Now. Uh, by Eckhart Tolle, mm-hmm. um, amazing Canadian author. And, you know, he, there's so many amazing nuggets in this book, but what I, what I always come back to from what he said in this was, he said, there's three types of people in the world. He said, there's people that live in fear. There's people that live in anxiety and there's people that live in peace. And he said, the people that live in fear are constantly thinking about the what ifs of the future, mm-hmm, you know, creating true. stories. You know, they read something, they see something, they hear something, and they make a story around it, and that becomes their truth. And then the people that live in anxiety are the ones, like just like the visual that I gave you, are the people that are carrying around the baggage of their past, which then they make their present, which mm-hmm. it's not the truth. When once something has happened. It's already happened. There's nothing you can do to change it. All you can do is grow from it. Mm -hmm. Then there's those people that live in peace. And he said the people that live in peace are the ones that know and they are in control of the only time period that we can actually control, which is the now. Mm -hmm. The present moment that we are all currently living in is the only time period that we have that we can actually control. So for me, when my thoughts start to go awry, I ask myself, is this something that I'm making up or is this something that already happened? And if it's one of those two, then I cut the fear, I cut the anxiety and I get grounded and I start living for right now because now is all that we have. Correct. Now, Scott, we know that. I think if you went down the streets and asked people if they know that, they'd all say yes. So how do we get them to implement that mindset that now is the time? Like this this whole thing about don't die before you're dead for me is letting people or waking people up maybe is would be a better way of saying it, that life is a gift and you're right, now is all we have. How do we make people act on that, believe it and act on it, not just nod and say, yeah, yeah, I know, but I'll wait. So sorry, two things, two things. Number one, um, the act of gratitude has really helped me. So I have a journal that sits by my nightstand and every night before I go to bed, 
Um, I write down three things that I accomplished that day. And I write down the things that I'm thankful for and grateful Mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. And then I write down one amazing moment. Um, So, you know, as an example, you know, uh, last night I wrote, you know, uh, onboarded two new clients, um, had a great podcast interview and cut my day off early. And then I wrote, you know, I'm grateful for my body, my health, my life, my businesses, our businesses, my son, my wife, my family, my friends. And, and then I wrote, um, I'm, I'm really uh, excited about the new business that we're launching or the, my new book or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. When you end up reflecting every day on all of the amazing things that truly happen around us. And, and I'll say this, everyone correlates amazing to money or an object or something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be uh, a physical something. It could be a feeling. So it's been scientifically proven that when you are practicing the act of gratitude, physiologically, it is impossible to feel any other feeling. You can't feel sad while you are writing what you are grateful for. That makes you so much sense. You can't feel fear when you are writing what you're grateful for. You can't feel sad. You can't feel angry. You can't feel resentful when you are practicing gratitude. So it's just like a muscle. And I always correlate things back to the gym because that's what I did my entire life. You can't go to the gym one day, work out, and look like Arnold Schwarzenegger when you leave the gym. <laughs> it, it takes months, years uh, yeah. for that compounded effect to take place. And the same thing is with gratitude. I can tell you 100% for those people that are listening to this, you can just buy a blank notebook and just start writing down three things that you're grateful for every night before you go to bed over time, you will see your life get better because you start seeing things differently. You start, I'll give you a prime example. So my son just started second grade yesterday. Mm -hmm. And here in the States, they're doing a hybrid model for schools. So um, two days he's in school, three days he's home remote learning. And uh, the way that we have his schedule set with myself and, and his mom, um, I have, we have him every Wednesday into Thursday and every other weekend. So about anywhere between 12 to 15 days a month, almost, almost half. And because of the, the change in his schedule with the remote learning, Wednesday is a remote, remote learning day. Monday, Tuesday, he's in school. Mm-hmm. My son's mother is also a teacher. So she has her kids to teach remotely, and it, it really is hard for her to do both. Right. So when, when I dropped him off on Sunday after the weekend that we had him for, she said, listen, I think we need to change his schedule. Um. I think you need to pick him up on Tuesdays, have him overnight Tuesdays, and then you can teach him Wednesdays, and then you can drop him back off to me after school on Wednesday. So just switching the overnight one day earlier. Now, Mm -hmm. there was a split second of anxiety because, you know, my wife and I, we have multiple businesses that we run. And I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And then I, I got back in the car and I was kind of just, you know, thinking my way through it. I'm like, you know what? I make my own schedule. (laughs) I, I can move my clients from Uh 
Wednesday to Thursday or Wednesday to Tuesday or later in the day on Wednesday. And I share this with my wife when I got home. I had this overwhelming feeling of gratitude. Like, I mean, it, it just took over. Like I literally, mm-hmm. I, I had chills because I thought to myself, I'm like, this is what I've been looking to build, uh, a life by design. Uh, again, you know, my, my friend Michelle Scaff talks about it all the time, becoming a, a life architect. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, my son and, and having to rearrange my schedule, that's just one aspect of it. But I think it's, it's coming back to that, that gratitude. And foundationally, when a part of your life is practicing gratitude and being thankful and appreciative, mm-hmm. uh, it, it changes your life. But there's, there's another thing that, that really shifted me, and it was kind of recently. My uh, a friend of mine, Cody Shewin, he wrote, uh, a Canadian author, wrote an amazing book called Your Everyday Legacy. And he was a funeral director for over 15 years. So he literally was surrounded by death. And towards the end of his professional career, uh, he does speaking and coaching now. He was performing a service uh, for a very well-respected and and well-known Canadian businessman. And I mean, drones of people showed up. I mean, it was, he said it was just the most amazing sight to see the amount of people that showed up. And on top of that, the amazing words that people spoke about this person, Mm -hmm. um, sharing their thoughts and their love and their admiration for him. And at the end of the service, when people started to leave, uh, he went up to one of his sons and he said, man, he goes, I haven't seen or been a part of a service like this before. Your father must have been an amazing human being. And he said he was. He said this wasn't even a tenth of the people that he actually touched. And he said, well, what was the best piece of advice that your father ever gave you? And he said, the best piece of advice my father ever gave me was actually right before he passed. And he said, son, don't wait until you're gone for your legacy to be felt. Leave it while you're still living. Mm-hmm. And when I read that, in the book. And when I talked about that with Cody, it literally, it shook me because I started thinking about how many people, including myself at one point, were just so caught up in just life where you weren't, you weren't even focusing on how you were showing up and how present you were with your family and your friends and your kids and your relatives. And then he went a step further and he said, Scott, I'm going to ask you a difficult question. And he goes, when you think about this question, it will change you. And he said, Scott, how do you want to be remembered? Mm. So when you're facing your own mortality, mm-hmm. when you are facing your own ending, yeah. you will start showing up while you're living that much better. And I, I always come back to that. So for the people that are listening to this, think about that. Right. How do you want to be remembered? Are, are you showing up every day the way that you deserve to? Mm-hmm. Are you showing up? to be the best that you can be. And it's not about making money or having the fanciest car, the largest house. It's none of that. No, because you don't take it with you. It's, it's being present every single day and creating 
and enjoying every memory that you get to experience every single day. Right. The other side that I heard to that, Scott, actually was, and I can't even tell you who it was that had mentioned it to me. They said, if you want to think about living life on purpose, living the life you were meant to live, sit down and write your own obituary. Yeah, I mean, listen, (laughs) when you you face mortality, when you're facing your ending, you you will change how you're living right now. Right. Well, that, that is a perfect, uh, that's a perfect way to end this conversation, Scott. Uh, I've so enjoyed chatting with you. I, I appreciate your candor, your sharing with us, uh, your trials and your tribulations and how you've learned so much the hard way. But uh, you're such a young man and a young family and you're heading off. And I know you'll leave such a, a great um, legacy for your own son and your own family and your and will help a lot of people along the journey with your books. I notice on your, um, on your video here, we have your email. So if you just say it for our listeners, how do they get in touch with you? Well, actually, uh, you know, people can email me um, at my business email, which is scott at scottaaron.net. Uh, or if you just go to www.scottaaron.net, um, my books, my resources, um, how you can work with me is on there. But also, you can find me on every social media platform. Uh, I'm very prevalent on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Uh, You just type in Scott Aaron. It's two T's and two A's uh, and would love to connect with you. Excellent. Well, thank you for taking this time. I am going to go right now and look for your books on LinkedIn because I think there's uh, a lot of value there, a lot of experience. And uh, I so appreciated our time together. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. Implementation is the hardest part. And so what you've shared with us is like, get out there, live life. And thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you. And it's been an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Scott. I look forward to connecting again at another time. So if you have some momentous things happening and some other occasions that uh, you'd like to share with us, drop me a line. Maybe we can do this again. So thanks again. Absolutely. So I'm Mary McCartney and the host of Don't Die Before You're Dead. And I challenge you to dare to live the life you are meant to live, starting today.